Today we're going to be studying from Psalm number 40. We've been reading through there, through the Psalms, and um, I don't even know which, remember which one we're at today. I think Psalm 65 is where we're going to be today. So Psalm 40 or 40 came a little earlier in the week, and if you have been following through with our reading plan through the Old Testament, you'll know that many Psalms, it's David or somebody else, usually David is crying out for deliverance, asking the Lord God to help him, to, to be there, to save him. And this is a little bit different way to start in this psalm. In Psalm uh, number 40, uh, I want to read the first three verses. And what we're going to do today as we go through this, I, I want you to be thinking about um, you know, how God has thought about you. His, his thoughts for you, how he has saved you, and in the many uh, ways he has saved us, not only from our sins, but saved us from difficult times. Um, and he's going to continue to do that as you trust in him. So how will we respond to him when he delivers us so faithfully? Will you delight to do his will? Will you have his, his law hidden in your heart? So in Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, I want to read these three verses first. <clears throat> I waited patiently for the Lord. So here's a, a little bit of a difference here from compared to other Psalms. You know, instead of saying, I will wait patiently or I am patiently waiting. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. So it's this idea here where David is calling out and he's saying, the Lord did deliver me. I needed some help and the Lord came through for me. Listen to his circumstance, you know, and it's this just, he creates just a vivid picture for what he was going through. And we don't know the particular circumstance, whether somebody was after him, whether he had done something wrong, whether, you know, whatever the problem was. But he says that he brought me out of the pit of destruction, a pit. You can just almost imagine Dave and feel David feeling like he was down in a pit, trying to climb and crawl his way out. And there is no hope. There is no way you can save yourself from a pit. You always need someone to give you a rope, reach down and pull you out of the pit. There was nothing he could do for himself. He needed deliverance. This idea, so he says, he, he brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. Out of the miry clay. Now I've heard um, I've heard it described that this this picture of the miry clay in these instances think of it almost more like quicksand. Uh, I have never been in mud that just kind of grabbed me and wouldn't let me out. Period. I was always able to escape, but there is mud that will that will just grab you and hold on to you. And um, unfortunately, my brother joined us this morning, and I think just that made me think of a time he lost a good a good pair of shoes at a wedding reception along the railroad tracks. He stepped in some mud, and that mud grabbed hold of him, 
that shoe was, it's probably still there, I, I would reckon, in Monroeville. He probably doesn't even remember this. I'm not sure. But for some reason, I do. Because my mom went back and was looking for that shoe, but it was to be lost. It got sucked in that mud and was lost. Well, Dave was in a circumstance where he, you know, it's, there's no help. It's almost like quicksand. You need somebody to throw out a lifeline to you. You need someone else to deliver you because you cannot climb out. You cannot escape. You are stuck in the mud. And often in Israel, in, uh, in those desert lands, those, those wadis where the water would rush down through, number one, those wadis would be like pits. You know, to getting out of a wadi where it's been cut by the, the rushing waters during storms, in a land that usually doesn't get water, well, then there would be places where that water would rest. And if somebody were thirsty out in the desert and they'd go try to get to that water that has been puddled up inside of, down in that, the bottom of that ravine, there might be mud surrounding that water. And you go out there and try and get some water to survive, and you end up getting stuck in the mud. And you are stuck there with no escape. And uh, sometimes in the, the Psalms, then Paul would, or David would point out this idea that, you know, the water's going to rush in and, and drown me. Well, you're out in the middle of a ravine, uh, those wadis that they're called out in the desert, that water comes rushing from another area. Even if it's not raining where you're at, that water can rush in from miles and miles away. And you can be caught down there in the wadi, in the ravine, and just drown. Uh, so it's a, it's a scary thing. And so it's a, this idea of needing help, needing deliverance. It was a very real picture that people understood. And so David is just crying out and he's saying, God, help me escape. The Lord delivered me. And then, you know, he pulled me out of the pit. He pulled me out of the miry clay and he set, then the end of verse two, he set my feet upon a making my footsteps firm. God brought him to a place of safety, a place where the ground is sure, a place where you can be, um, you can, you can view all around. And though the rains may come, I think now of Jesus, as he, as he spoke about it, you know, the man who built his house upon the rock, even though the rains come, even though the troubles come, you are safe in this place. And he's saying, the Lord God delivered me. He set my feet upon a rock. And I want to add to this a little bit of the idea that he will continue to preserve me. Look at verse 11. I want to skip there because we're not going to have time to get to it today. But in verse 11, it says, you, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. There's this idea of, of deliverance one time. And then there's the idea that he's going to preserve us and he's going to continue to deliver us. And that is what God does for us. In Psalm 71, uh, verses 1 through 3, it's verse 3 that mentions the idea of a rock. And he says it twice in this passage. So here he says, In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. 
You have given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. God delivers us once. I think of, for us as Christians, you know, that there was this, there was a, a moment when we gave our lives to Christ and he saved us, he delivered us. And now he is continually that rock of habitation, as this verse calls it, where we are continually relying upon him to preserve us and to save, to save us, to be our safe place in the midst of a terrible, difficult world with all kinds of troubles. And when those troubles come all around us, as we learn in the New Testament, these troubles come and they help us. They help us grow. They help us mature. And in that, as James talks in James chapter uh, one, you know, it it says those troubles produce for us, um, bring us to completion. They help us mature and bring us to a complete and mature life in Christ. Verse number three of Psalm 40 says it this way, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. So when, he's, when David has gone through these difficulties and when God has rescued him, it has worked something in his life. It has made him into something better. He has a new song of praise to praise God with and a new, a new witness unto others that they can believe in him. So just consider that in your life. You know, God has delivered you. He has set your feet upon a rock, and he's going to continue to be that that firm rock for you to have a habitation on. And the result then is that you can respond with a new song of praise to him, that your life will be elevated. You'll be closer to God, and you'll be a, a better witness for Christ Jesus in your life. On to Psalm chapter 40, verses 4 and 5. It says, How blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud nor to those who lapse in falsehood. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts toward us. There's no one to compare with you. If I would declare and speak of them, they would be too numerous to count. There's a lot in this verse, but I summed it up this way, and I know it doesn't capture everything. But this idea of the Lord's thoughts, your thoughts toward us, as it says in in verse 4 there, your thoughts, many are your thoughts toward us. You've done many good things towards us, many wonders for us, and and your thoughts toward us are many also. The Lord has many good thoughts. He thinks so highly of us. And he does that toward those who trust in him. That's how we're blessed. God delivers us because we trust him. God is there for us. He puts us on that rock because we trust him. You know, when he reaches down to pull us out of the miry clay, to lift us out of that pit, we have to reach up and grab hold of his offer, his hand. But he, just think about that, of all the sinners that are in this world today, of all the people who don't trust God and they're in this life and they're trying to claw their own way out of the pit. They're in, they're in the miry clay and they're, they're reaching and grabbing and digging and doing everything they can to escape. And there is no escape. And God is there reaching down to them all of the time. He is, he has good 
thoughts towards us that he wants to save us and he wants to reach out. He is always, and he's done it through Jesus Christ. John 3.16 just fits so well right here. The good thoughts that God has towards his creation, towards man, is that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him, whosoever will look up and grab hold of his, his loving hand, his reaching out to us, that will be saved, will be delivered, will be placed upon that rock. And how blessed is the man who trusts in him. But God, it's just such a wonderful thought. He has good thoughts towards us, many thoughts towards us. He has done wonderful things for us. So how will we live in response to him? Continuing on to verses 6 and 8. 6 through 8, excuse me. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. To summarize these verses, to get us to think for a moment on these, is that I just don't, I don't just go through the motions. When I consider how, how God has rescued me, when I consider the wonderful thoughts that he has towards me, and if I can interject here in the Psalms, when I think of Jesus Christ who has been given for me, God gave his only begotten son, you know, I, I'm not just going to go through the motions. This is something deeper than that. I, but I will delight to do your will Oh my God. You know, it's, it's a heart thing, isn't it? And that's a, to relate it back to what we talked about last week. If we come and we sing these songs, if we, uh, if, if we show up to worship services, uh, it, whatever we do, if we if we do these things and we're just going through the motions and our heart is not in it, then, then we're denying the work of God in our lives. And we can't do that. We can't, we can't to come to God with a hypocritical spirit, but we've got to give him our all. That's what he has done for us. I won't just go through the motions. I can't, and we're so prone to that. It becomes just rote, but we have to, uh, I think of muscle memory. It becomes rote like this, this idea that we just, we just happen upon it. It's just, it's a habit for us, but we can't let that happen. We have to delight in our Lord and our God. And it's something I, I think that we continue to grow in is our delight in him. And we need to continue to work on that. And I, and I pray as you think about these, because it's in this, in this Psalm and, and, you know, there's so much more wonderful, so many more wonderful thoughts and words in this Psalm that, that encourage us and can provoke us to this delight in the Lord but I want you just to consider uh, for now is live so that this could be on your epitaph. As you think about this, this phrase, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Live so that it could be placed on your tombstone. 
And it might say, here, here lies so-and-so, his life or her life, fulfilled Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. You know, just imagine if, if all of us at Garrett Street and all in churches everywhere, if we really just focus on making this what what we'll be remembered by, making it a phrase that will that will encapsulate our lives is that he delighted to do the will of God. His law, the law of God, was within his heart. Christ Jesus was within him. Um, I want the, I, and I need to grow in that. We all can grow in that. We all can um, and let God work in us like this. It's going to be the work of God to do this for us, to, to keep elevating us, to make us more and more like Christ Jesus as we go through life. And he often does it through difficulties. So whenever you're going through difficulty, thank God, just trust him and thank him that he's, he's trusting you with some difficult problem so that you can grow through it because it's just going to help you to focus. When Richard was talking about the man of the bread of the bread of life, that's, that's what they had to, to live on back then in those 40 years in the desert. They had manna. What else did they have? Nothing else, you know, but Jesus is our manna. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that flows from the mouth of God. He, he consumes us. We delight in him. Let's have his law written within our heart. This is, this is how we live, and this is how we will die, and this is what will define our lives. So I just pray today. I want to I challenge all of us who are believers I'm going to challenge us today to stick around online after we're done with our worship service. And while we do this and while we um, meet together here the, the rest of the time, read through the rest of Psalm. Maybe we can even do it together after we get all, get done with our worship. But read through all of Psalm. And what other encouragement do you see here? What challenges do you find? What else can we learn from this psalm? Because we want to delight to do the will of God. We want to have his law within our hearts, and we want to live for him who has saved us and who is our rock. And so I want to challenge you. Think about that as we get ready to get offline, or excuse me, not offline, but off of our worship, and we'll discuss a little bit more Psalm 40. But if you're not a Christian, I want to just the essence of this sermon is that Jesus died for your sins. That's the, that's the meaning behind all of this. This lesson is that he died to save us. He died to reach down and to deliver us from, we couldn't, we cannot save ourselves and you can't save yourself. And when you're, you're in sin, it's uh, no matter if it's you're you've done terrible, awful sins in your mind or just little tiny sins, it doesn't matter. You're, you're stuck. You're lost. There is no hope for you. You cannot save yourself. And you need to realize that Jesus is reaching down and he wants to pull you out of the miry clay. He wants to save you. He wants to put you on the rock. And Jesus is that rock. And I just want to encourage you to trust him by giving him your life in baptism. And saying, reaching up to him and saying, I trust you, O God. I will delight in your will. I will obey your law. And reach up to him, and you give him your life by submitting in baptism. 
So if there's anybody here today, you're, you're listening, uh, get a hold of me or somebody else, but give Christ your life. And you do that in baptism. It will always be the day that you can remember. You look back and that is the day that God saved you. And then he, from then on, you delight in him, you trust in him, and he will continue to save you and be, the, be your rock of habitation. So if you need to respond today at all, uh, you're welcome uh, to, to let us know. Uh, find me now or find me later, and uh, we will pray for you, or we will get you into Christ Jesus through baptism. If you need to respond, won't you do so as we sing this song now? <laughs>